He was the lead singer of rock band Survivor. He was the voice of the Eye of the Tiger, the theme song for the film Rocky III, and number one on Billboard charts for six weeks. The song won a Grammy Award for Best Rock Performance by a duo or group with vocal. He was the singing voice behind the most award-winning radio campaign in advertising history, Real Men of Genius, for Bud Light Beer. Today's guest is Dave Bickler. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. Dave, I've been listening to you for a long time without knowing who you are and, and what you've done. It's very interesting. I've had a yeah, I've had an interesting kind of life there. You know, um, I, I, it chose me. I didn't choose it. <laughs> That's always the case. <laughs> You know, I, I I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to be when I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Oh, God, every time, yeah. <laughs> and my dad was in horror, and I was like, you know, God, <laughs> coolest thing I've ever seen. That's a dinner since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. What, what, what's up with their hair? They look like girls. I remember hearing that. Oh, yeah, it was so ridiculous. Well, you know what was really great about it was the press was just sharpening their knives for those guys. Isn't these Brits coming over? You know, they're going to take over, take over who they think they are. We'll, we'll make mincemeat out of them. And the Beatles just, just disarmed those guys. <laughs> you know, because they were real smart and really funny. And they, they all of a sudden, they were all on their side. It was, it was amazing, the press conference they had. That was cool. Of course, I could edit anything. So, and all language is permissible. Anything goes. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, okay. Glad to fucking hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we all know how to do that. Well, oh man, so, so yeah, that was your your beginning point. Did you begin playing an instrument? Because you're known as a vocalist mainly, I think. Yeah, yeah, I was. You know, I played the trumpet. You know, in in the first band I was in, the eighth grade band, mm -hmm. I wasn't even the, I wasn't the singer. I was the trumpet player. <laughs> uh, my my friend Phil was was the singer. You know, not. Not, that was definitely not his calling, you know. He, but in those days, we we're just kids, you know. You, oh, you're the singer and you're the bass player and, you, and you'll be the drummer, mm. you know. It was, it was kind of like that, you know. Yeah. And but like, then I was singing like har harmonies to stuff, and the guys in the band are going, hmm, "Hey, you know, Dave, maybe you might try <laughs> the lead parts." So I, that's how I became the lead singer. I remember how the bands <laughs> form. In my case, it was the guy with the PA system. The guy with the PA system was the singer, and if you had, you know, guitar yeah, yeah. amp, of course that explained. Yeah, but you had the gear, you, it, you had the job. Yeah. Well, yeah. who's going to be the manager? Oh, this guy's got a van. Okay, he's the manager. <laughs> That's right. Well, then the next question is: Will the parents let you play there and play as loud as we did, just as loud as we could? You know. Yeah. 
Well, they put we one of the, this, the drummer in the band. He he had like a like he, his family was rich, and they had a, like this little summer cottage kind of thing off to the side. <laughs> so they put us in there or in the barn. <laughs> they had horses, so they could recurse in the barn. <laughs> away from away from the parents. You're playing the mother in the house. <laughs> how did you? How was it? You came about singing the theme song for Rocky Three. Yeah. It, it was uh, it was you know contracted by design. Um, Sylvester Stallone knew Tony Scotty. We were on Scotty Brothers record, you know, distributed by Epic. And <laughs> excuse me, he um, was asking about he want he wanted for that opening sequence. He wanted to he wanted to find a band to write him a song. He originally, I, I, my my understanding is it was it was it was originally they told the you know they'll do that. We'll just put some music in there. And it was Queen's "Another One Bites the Dust" mm-hmm. that they had laid in for that stuff. But you know that I don't I don't know if they could get the rights for that. I, I'm not sure of the story. And it also it wasn't quite the right thing. You know what I mean? Not the right quite kind of vibe for you know for for that a great song. You know Queen. You know fantastic stuff. Yeah. But but not quite the right thing. You know biting the dust. Mm-hmm. You know so. So anyway, you know those guys saw you know the 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 keyboard player and the guitar player what they got some of the movies because he really liked their second album Premonition. He heard that and he went, oh yeah, I like these guys. I'll see if they can write me a song. So we did. We had to, we had to like hurry up, you know, production schedules coming. So we had to get it ready real fast. You know, they would shit it for a couple of days and came to the studio and I'd never heard it before. We were, we were at CRC in Chicago. And uh, you know, walked in and heard it for the first time. And uh, okay, here we go. So we cut, we cut the you know the the music tracks, and then I then did my lead vocal. And that ended that next vocal actually ended up being uh, in the movie. They used that one because they because they needed to to do it fast. So they used that that track for for the movie for the opening part in the movie. And we re- we cut that along with another with the rest of the album. You know, the, you know, L.A. Are they much different? Not that much. Because <laughs> when I hear it, it sounds exactly like exactly like I hear it every time I hear it, and you hit the notes every time too. It's incredible. <laughs> it's high. You know, I was yeah. It's it's yeah, high. Feeling, uh, you know, I knew I I knew what to do with that song. You know, I really did. I I knew what to do. There's a certain like swing to it that you know has to be be there. You know, uh, for that rhythm, and uh, so it it uh, obviously worked out pretty well. You know, I guess we'll have people come up and say, tell me that their five-year-old is their favorite song. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, always a new, always a new kids to indoctrinate. It's great.
And this came directly from Kenny Loggins. He said that he got the shot at uh, Danger Zone for Top Gun. Toto was supposed to sing. Yeah. Yeah, Toto was going to do it. And somehow there was some legal situation that came up. And Kenny happened to be around because he brought a whole bunch of other songs that are featured in the movie. And he ended up singing the song. I think he turned. He was the right guy to do that. (laughs) For sure. Um, Yeah. That's the only way way to hear that one. Great performance. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. When you when you get a, a movie theme song, is it uh, can you retire? Is that do you just go to your mailbox and pick up a check, or how does that work? Well, no, and not exactly because uh, you know how it all works. So, yeah, um, uh, money go. It's this song. The way the way bands worked, uh, you know, then um, you sign a record contract, right? You um, royalties and you have to make a lot of royalties to make money after you pay back all the money you spent making the other albums because mm-hmm. this is our our third record and we'd had tour support and all, you know we'd racked up you know a pretty sizable bill to, that had to be paid back before luckily for the songwriters they don't have to pay that bill mm-hmm. i mean they pay they'll pay their part of the over the band's bill but but they they actually don't have you know that that publishing money comes straight to them that's the place to be huh that's, that's the place to be yeah <laughs> so so i mean you know i i got some i got obviously i got money i got money i got did get royalties from that but you know it's uh, uh nothing like uh the songwriters did not enough to retire so dark light's your newest release and it's under dave bickler it's your record yes yeah, that's uh, that just came out what a couple months ago. Yeah, in, in March came out in March. It's available wherever toys are sold on uh, Apple Music, Spotify, iTunes, Instagram. Just, yeah, just everywhere. Yeah. I've listened to it. It's, it's just good, packed full of good stuff. Oh well, thank you. I mean, it, 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 I was really pleased with the way it turned out. It took me a while to sort of assemble it. You know, uh, um, uh, starting with uh, I I knew to start the project that you have to have a great drummer i didn't have a band you know so uh, a friend of mine Ter- jeremy holiday at, over at sony recommended ryan hoyle you know because he, he knew my music and he's you know an a and r type person though he thought you know he would be good you know the guy from collective soul um played for collective soul yeah, yeah. and uh you know i i went and checked out his website and heard his you know drum tracks and i thought yeah that's that's the guy so i you know went out to california and, and started recording you know basically getting basic tracks you know and um and then as a well look brad smith is a friend of his in part the brad smith from blind melon who is a great bass player so he was there handy to help me with that mm-hmm. so i had a pretty good solid beginning you know and then i just would go back and forth there cutting tracks you know until i had enough i found somebody here too Stephen diacutis uh, uh you know i i wanted to basically find a find a place to mix but we ended up like re-recording everything else you know all the vocals and all the guitars and all stuff and he just had this terrific studio called sound spa sound spa productions and uh all this amazing analog gear so we just had a lot of fun doing that and that's how it all came to be that's cool are you a big fan of analog i am well you know it's digital recording is great but it's how you get it in there that matters you know i mean he's got a, yeah he's got a new console you know i don't know if you're familiar with um, that, you know, uh, uh, Rupert Neve 5088, which is just this beautiful, warm, and not too many people have those anymore, have a, have a you know, a for real, you know, console, and, and then tons of outboard gear. So everything's going through these t- 
top of the line preamps and you know they 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 provide warmth and uh, and punch to the sound you know so really makes a difference great mics you know too that's cool i know some people that are you know just staunch analog people i think dave Grohl bought the system that nirvana recorded nevermind on and it's all analog stuff and he still uses it it's from sound city yeah 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 i remember it was from sound city i, I don't know the names of the equipment i'm still uh yeah, it's just beautiful thing yeah i i started out with a tiac four track and uh, i still have it <laughs> It's great. great oh, really? For, Do you still have it? That's yeah, cool. it's great for just putting together a song. If you know, if you want to have a couple extra tracks and stuff to put extra parts on stuff. I'm currently working on a digital project that, good golly gosh, it just keeps crashing. It gets to the end of the song, and the whole thing just goes bonkers. But, oh no! Are you, are you working on a Mac? Yeah, that's me too. I and I I have to say, my my, my it never crashes. This one just um, it's it just yesterday. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. I, I wonder don't know. Why. I think uh, maybe I've just got too much crap on it. I, I shouldn't be doing the Phil Spector type concept of wall of sound on, <laughs> well, then, on my Mac. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Counts a little high. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, for the purposes of using it again, I I write a lot of songs and I just like to record them so I don't forget them. Basically, so I have them down the road. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if you if you don't record what's when you get a good idea, it'll 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 vaporize. Yeah. So I. I come up with this simple concept songs kind of okay and then i put phil specter in the wheelhouse <laughs> and then i'm in trouble yeah I, I go i go both ways sometimes i keep it sparse and uh the times you know it gets uh can get more phil Spectorish. but uh <laughs> um uh what's good you know, what's great working on um, you know digital recording is the workflow so much faster and yeah you know, all kinds of all kinds of cool tools yeah while still keeping it real actually performances and you know not uh fixing everything and and not that i won't do that like if there's some little thing that you know is a really really good performance i just like the way it feels you know i'll certainly you know make a little correction and and uh you know but basically i always try to get them sounding you know like for a vocal i get it sounding you know really good that I, in my opinion before i even think of doing anything like that you know because i want i want it to be I don't know, there's a certain feel to it, you know. Fear of the Dark. That's a pretty cool song. That one stood out. I don't know why, it just did. Yeah, that was a, that was a dream. I I, I uh, was watching, I don't know if you've heard, seen the movie Wanted, Angelina Jolie, uh, 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 there's a bunch of big stars in it. It's a crazy kind of, you know, Matrix-y kind of film. Yeah, that it's really good. It's really good, but it's Danny Elfman score, you know, which oh, is yeah. really cool. Okay. And so I, I looked at that, and I went to sleep that night, and I, I woke up with the, that, you know, that lick in my head, that sound, and uh, I thought, oh God, I, I'm sure it, I stole it right out of the movie. I had that's what must have happened, but it turned out to not not be true, and so that was clear. No, no copyright infringement there.
That probably never happened anyway. I could just hear Danny Elfman coming up with. No, he took those three notes that I invented. I mean, it, you know, it's not something. It, if something's like exact, you know, <laughs> you can see exact same melody. Yeah, and yeah, there's a number of no, the number of notes that are coincide. <clears throat> but I always say that there's all the notes have been played, but there's still new ways to put them together. Yeah. I, I really believe that. It's endless. Yeah, a kid around saying, "Yeah, I use the same notes as the Beatles." You're gonna like this. I just heard something really interesting about that. My friend of mine you know, sent me an email on. I, I had often wondered about, you know, Paul McCartney's bass play parts were always so integral to the song and so different, kind of, you know, and amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and it turns out that when they were when they were tracking, you know, that everybody else would go, you know, go home after a long day because those guys worked really hard in the studio. But he he would stay and just work on that bass part. Yeah, I think yeah, they made so they I made little acetate cool. recordings sometimes that they could take home. But it was clear that he was spending some time on the bass parts because some of them are almost standalone. Yeah, they're really, yeah, they really are. <laughs> yeah. A Penny Lane, for instance. Of course, he wrote the song too. But yeah, yeah, what uh, a, that's incredible. It, that first, the doo, doo, yeah. doo, that just right there, that had me. You know, when I first heard that record, I was like, wow. What, what you just sang is, is the first just, note is actually a bass note in the song, I think, before he even sings. That's right. <laughs> it is. It happens quickly. Yeah, you got it. I think you're in pitch, too. <laughs> Let's talk about another one Another one of the songs off of your album. They're all they're all kind of about real stuff to me, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like there's always a story from every, every one of those songs, um, uh, you know, something personal. Um, it's like, uh, you know, or just a thought, <laughs> like mm. always you is, uh, you know, about thinking about your, you know, basically your, con- your conscience, you know, it's always there telling you if you, if you listen, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, to, to do the right thing or try to. Let's listen to the song, The Gift from Dave Bickler's new album, Dark Light.
So do you write on an acoustic guitar, or how do you usually sit down and come up with this usually stuff? A, 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 usually electric guitar, you know, because I, yeah, writing on acoustic guitar, I find is is kind of difficult because um, it doesn't it doesn't have you know the the range you can play on on the guitar to me anyway. I'm not good enough, you know. I I play well enough to to write my parts and track my my songs and. Then uh, some of some of those some of those will stay, and then I'll uh, you know uh, experts will you know play the hard stuff. So you're actually laying down tracks and then writing it that way, or? Yeah, I just make it a, a, some kind of idea, a musical idea, you know, something that sounds cool. Again, you pick up a guitar, you can, you can, or, and I do it on keyboards too. I mean, I do write songs on keyboards, but it's more often the electric guitar. And it's like, you can always find something, you know what I mean? That's like, hey, that's interesting sounding. And, you know, uh, take that part and usually I'll archive that. I'll, I got a little hand, you know, handheld thing to record stuff on. And I'll, then I'll go back over and listen to it later. It's me, um, you know, it's something interesting. And then I'll start to expand on it, you know, kind of like how, how I do it. So the part of this interview that I'm waiting for, and you probably know what it is, is the Bud Light stuff. <laughs> I've got to tell you, Dave, I have oh like my, my sense of humor is kind of stopped at age 14. So 14 year old boy humor. I remember you said that is yeah is where I am, and I just can't help it. So if there's like a dick joke or something, you can fit in somewhere. You just put it in, no matter how ridiculous it is. But it sounds like you guys oh, had no, a no what? Yeah, we no, we had a lot of. I guess. The commercials. It was very, very different from anything I'd ever done. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Hair Gel Overgeller. Mr. Hair Gel Overgeller. Less ambitious men stop with two-in-one shampoo, but you put in countless hours, tireless dedication, and a five-gallon drum of industrial adhesive. Sticky glue! Like a lacquered hedgehog or oily porcupine, what woman wouldn't want to run her fingers through your razor-sharp stalagmites of hair? Or is it stalactites? Wind, water, stray bullets, even repeated hammer blows. Nothing can muss your immovable mane. I've got a hair helmet. So crack open an ice cold Bud Light, oh master of the moose. And while you're at it, crack open another bucket of goo. Mr. Hair Like I did a ton of jingles in Chicago. Um, you know, starting when I was like 19 years old, I, I, I got into the which was really good because they, you know, it would they would pay you real money to do that. Um, but in, they were always, you know, a script come in, it's etched in stone. There is, it comes from on high, you know, <laughs> you don't deviate from that. But from Mount the real Sinai. Genius, all, all the guys from DDB in Chicago, the advertising agency, the, all the funny guys would come to the session and they they bring Pete with them. I mean, and meaning that Pete's already recorded lines, which were cracking me up, you know. Because no, I think Pete Stacker, you know, my my partner in that. I I don't think anybody can put sarcasm into their voice the way he can. He's the narrator. <laughs> he he's the voiceover like, guy, right? Yeah, the narrator. He he's yeah. got a gift for it, you know. So we were all on the floor. So and, that was. And then with my with my lines, we just they. They just start. They they throw the script away and so we start throwing stuff out. You know the basic thing was, you know, Mister, you know, backyard fire, fire, 
starter or whatever the heck it was, yeah. their edible underwear maker, yeah, yeah. whatever it was. We, that would stay, but uh-huh. <laughs> the rest of it could be, you know, anything. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. In the Car Nose Picker. Mr. In the Car Nose Picker. For you, the daily commute isn't simply a drive to the office. It's a hands-on exploration deep into your schnoz. I'm going in now. With pinpoint accuracy and sheer determination, you dig for boogers like miners dig for gold. Hit the jackpot. And why do you do it? Because the windows are up and you think we can't see you. We can. How you doing? So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, oh nabber of the nose nugget. We'd like to shake your hand, but you'll have to wash it first. Mr. Bud Light beer, and I suppose St. Louis. And I threw a couple, I had a couple of my, my own thrown in too, and I would just uh, try something, and they, if they laughed, somebody thought it was funny, it would go into the into the spot. Yeah, but yeah, we made we made like 220 of those things. And some of, them, they, some of them couldn't be played, right? Some of them could not be played, yeah. <laughs> um, and some of them got into trouble right away, like the, the discount airline pilot thing or whatever, intimating that, you know, it's unsafe. Well, the Airline Pilots Association went nuts. <laughs> They're all over it. And that got, po- that got pulled. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. What, what's the, there was a title of for a guy that sells his nuts outside the uh, baseball stadium, whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but presents Real American Heroes. Real American Heroes. Today, we salute you, Mr. Outside the Stadium Peanut Seller. Outside the Stadium Peanut Seller. You stand like a sentry outside the grounds of our national pastime, offering us your salty nuts. Nice and crunchy. Half price on the outside, all the taste. That's your pitch. There's nothing like spending a summer day on a hard bleacher seat, crunching your nuts. Unless maybe it's sitting behind home plate, spreading mustard on your wiener. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, Mr. Outside the Stadium Peanut Seller, because thanks to you, a bag of peanuts costs just peanuts. <laughs> in fact, yeah, once like that, I would say I'd go to a guy. Really, guys, really, is there is this going to be on the radio? <laughs> it seems like uh, seems like somebody might object. <laughs> well, they were great, and I, I played the whole YouTube version. They're just back to back to back all the way. I was laughing my head off. It's about an hour of just hysterical in the room by myself, you know, drying my tears. I just wondered how you kept a straight face. And you're saying the, the narration came in first and that guy wasn't even in the room yeah, when you were yeah. doing it? Yeah, I, I didn't even meet Pete until we'd been doing this, the, the, the campaign for four years. I never even seen him. <laughs> After four years? <laughs> so. I'm not kidding. And, 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 and yeah, I was just on the floor laughing, you know, <laughs> with Pete's stuff, you know. So. <laughs> what did he say? Did it turn out, did he have any idea you were going to run with it like that or... No, I mean it was like uh, 
I think that Bob Winter was the guy who came up with the original concept. But um, yeah, it, it was just different. But yeah, the the radio guys loved it. I don't they, I don't know why, but they the radio guys really liked us, and so we'd go to a radio station to do a PR thing. And you now the Derailment of Genius. <laughs> so we had, we would you know find a, something you know a theme that was that was funny for them or for or for the city we were in and make one up and do it on the air live. I I just pulled it up. Yeah, Mr. Gasoline Barbecue Starter. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. This Memorial Day, we salute you, Mr. Gasoline Barbecue Starter. Mr. Gasoline Barbecue Starter. Never mind charcoal chimneys and easy lighting briquettes. The only way to start a real barbecue is with a gallon of 93 octane and a big book of matches. Light up the sky. Who needs eyebrows? You're hungry. And you've got seven pounds of lamb shanks ready to go. That's a lot of kebabs. You don't just defy convention. You defy warning labels and common sense. Very low IQ. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, oh prince of the pyrotechnics, because no one makes a backyard mushroom cloud like you. Mr. Gasoline Barbecue Starter. Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, Cartersville, Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> that did not, that, that, that didn't either. The Fireman's Association <laughs> same <laughs> The Jelly Donut Filler, Mr. Jelly Donut Filler. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Today, we salute you, Mr. Jelly Donut Filler. Mr. Jelly Donut Filler. Many a night you pondered the question, how can I get some jelly shoved into a plain powdered donut's blowhole? Inspiration and perspiration led you to invent the answer, the Jelly Super Squirter. Late at night, all night, you work your squirter so that we can wake up satisfied and enjoy our breakfast jelly treat. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, Mr. Jelly Donut Filler. Nobody else takes it to the hole quite the way you do. Thank you, Mr. Jelly Donut Filler. Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, I suppose you could... Yeah, it's pretty funny. There's always somebody that's going to be offended no matter what you do. People are... But there's somebody that'll be offended at that sunny day, I think. But imagine being a stand-up comic. I mean, yeah, you probably piss everybody off at some point, easily. I'm sure more than I even know. Some of the ones that didn't get on the air that they did offend, and, and uh, you know, <laughs> they just didn't get on. They just didn't get on the air. Yeah, yeah. We had, there's. A, I think, as a matter of fact, I think there's like 120 of them that are in the can of those spots that never got on the air. Damn. Well, YouTube has 60 of them, and I think they're. They're all like quadruple platinum, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Maybe that should be a record. Well, well, it's funny because um, they actually put together the compilations, and on their website sold them. Four hundred thousand people bought a, a commercial CD with commercials on it, which I, I don't think that's ever happened before. I mean, people. And buy commercials. <laughs> if they're good ones, it makes sense. Uh, but we just get barraged yeah, with no, it, pretty mediocre stuff most of the time. Yeah, no, it was, it was really fun to do. It really was. 
The next, uh, I think this week's going to be Greg Kinn, because I recorded him a couple weeks ago. And I don't know if you're familiar with who he is. I, I am. No, I we did, we did, we back in, I think it was when we were doing Premonition album, we did some, we did some touring with Greg Kinn. Oh, okay, you know so, him well. Say hi, say hi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he toured with the Stones for a little bit, and how he got that gig, which was funnier than hell, Prince had it. Prince was the opening act. But Prince came out and wow. did some deal where he's wearing it like a jock strap. And the promoter said, mm, I don't think so. And Greg happened to be Johnny on the spot. And uh, he said, you're in. I, I never heard that story before. I did until I talked to Greg <laughs> Kidd. I thought, God, okay. So th- there's a tip for you, Dave. Don't go on wearing a jock strap. It's just not going to work. I promise you, my <laughs> wife won't let me. <laughs> It's a good look. Maybe a speedo, but not a jogster. Yeah, Bruce, it was it was really great talking with you, man. It was really fun. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate okay. it. All right, you take care. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Hollywood Plastic Surgeon. Mr. Hollywood Plastic Surgeon. Great actors are born, not made. And when they're born with a big, fat, honking schnoz, you are there. Doctor, can you help me? It's a tough town that demands talent, and talent can't be bought. But a huge set of distracting knockers can. Big, giant knockers. A snip here, a nip, a tuck, another snip. It takes less time to cut a major motion picture than it does a major movie star. That's Hollywood. So crack open an ice-cold Bud Light, Mr. Fake Movie Star Maker. You take the suck out of liposuction. Mr. Hollywood Plastic Surgeon. Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Just trying to make the next day a bit better.